With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The remix version, really? So, so just because I believe in educating everybody's lives, okay. there's a genre of music out there called Christmas trap music. Yeah, then if you've court, never yeah. dabbled, it is a life changing experience and a breath of fresh air from a same old favorites with a hip hop kind of twist with it. I think it's absolutely badass. I found it two <laughs> years ago, and we're we're finally to the point where we get to talk about those bad boys that are truly going to be making their runs right here. You know, the, the big bad boys have off this week, but there's four bad boys that are going to be squaring up. I'm not sure how I feel about the adjective bad boys here. I should I have opened with bad boys. What you go? What you go? Do? I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to commit, you know, you just got to go all in. It's Christmas season, man. Sorry. Hashtag foreshadow for next week's pod. It's are you going to, you better have like an epic poem prepared. Uh, last last year's was fucking banger. Exactly, yeah. So you With, better be ready. I will up yourself, Santa. I will read, read a little Shakespeare over overnight, and you know, begin to prepare my my soliloquy for um, next week. Maybe Uncle Tito will help you with that one. Well, we'll we'll see. I've had one before this starts, so we'll see kind of where this goes. Say no more. Well, obviously we're back, and I'm joined, you know, by Dan. Uh, Mr. Dan, how are you doing this week? It's another beautiful week, man. We're we're counting down the days till Christmas. We're in the full playoff swing of things. People's hearts are going to be broken, but yep. life is good. The re- people are fucking crazy in the retail world, but you know what? This is why we get together on on Wednesday nights. We we have forty five minutes to an hour and fifteen of pure <laughs> bliss that we put together. That people on the other end is like, oh my god, why does Nick fucking tolerate this dipshit drunk? Um, but you know what? I'm all aboard this lifestyle. I respect it most definitely. Um, does it feel weird not being in the playoffs? This year? It's it's a little surreal with it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 different because normally I'm hyping myself up, feeling good with it. But yep. at the end of the day, we get to talk about a couple new teams, a couple of their matchups, and fun things to come as we see maybe a changing of the guard. But yeah. we got to start somewhere. Yep. And for for a no Nick Ruth kind of season, for a no Dan Weber kind of season, you know. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Welcome to the show, Adam. Um, let's it. Let's see what these these rookies, so to speak, make out of it. Yeah, for sure, it's going to be exciting times. How about before we jump into playoffs and looking at things, let's try to, you know, we, you know, it's a giving time of the year, so we want to also help maybe the teams that aren't in the playoffs right now. Um, some of them have first round draft picks, um, and we let's you know let's look ahead to next year's draft. Um, I was thinking maybe we could do a first round mock draft. Um, it's going to look horribly awful in like 
five months when the actual draft happens because this draft is, I mean, what are your thoughts when you look at this draft class, Dan? You've obviously got a lot of draft picks coming up. I'm sure you've been doing some research or you're aware of like how this class sits. What is kind of your thought process when you look at it? It's a very ebb and flow draft class from being super shitty to, I think there's a handful of talent that has kind of not necessarily emerged, but I think we can mm-hmm. call a little bit of a front runner yeah. to being NFL ready. And depending on some landing spots, depending yep. on some what what you know we see out of the the combine, it could get really interesting. With I think at least seven to ten of these guys. Yeah, I mean this this draft it reminds me a little bit of the 2019 draft, which was our first um, rookie draft um, in this league. Um, in the sense that, I mean Kyler Murray kind of at the end really came on and looked like you know, the unquestioned number one, and, you know, he's lived up to the hype. This class, at least right now, doesn't have a Kyler Murray. Um, There's a lot of, I think, intriguing players up top, but there's no real consensus, you know, player. Um, Like the 2019 draft, I think this, you know, class's strength is in the wide receiver section. Um, But there's intriguing guys at every position, you know, running back, quarterback, you know, wide receiver, and even tight end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is a draft class that you probably aren't thrilled to have the, you know, 1.1. You know, Mr. Nick Ruth has that opportunity this year. But, I mean, I think, you know, for you, like people that have multiple picks in the middle rounds, I think is you're going to be sitting pretty and you're going to like kind of the situation that you're in. Yeah, and I think I think the, the hard side for Nick and Jerry is they're going to dictate what my picks are. Yeah. But they make my picks a little bit easier. And it's not as much pressure on me to get those right as yeah. it is for these guys that are picking ahead of me and saying, who is my front runner? I don't, I don't think there's a clear number one person that's, that you can say is, this is the fucking guy. I think Absolutely a lot of this not. comes down to landing spots to potential 100%. first, second year impact. It, it's This is truly one of those wait and see kind of drafts. So I've looked at like a few different, you know, mock drafts for this class, and I've seen three players, like three different players go one dot one in super flex leagues. So it is wide open. And I mean, I think you're right. Like it is it's it's sometimes it can be annoying, you know, being in your spot and having to worry about other people picking ahead of you. But in this situation, I think you're right. It's nice that you can just let them have the hard job and you get to settle for whoever's left and whoever's left should be an okay to good player. Um, a small drop off from whoever these teams ahead of you are t- taking. Yeah. And I think the, the other piece too is, is don't get me wrong. Nick and Jerry could probably land the three best players in this draft. Oh yeah. But it's, I have a better odd in doing so watching three of these front seven, maybe 10. Again, we will, we'll get into this a little bit, go ahead of me and, now I can take best player available, help what's going to help my team. And I mean, I pick four, five, and six. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, so real quick, um, right now we know the first six picks and the teams that have those picks, you know, for rounds one, two, three, and four are Chris has the first draft slot. Steve has the second draft slot. Nick Ruth has the third draft slot. Dan, you have the fourth. Armand has the fifth and Sam has the sixth. Uh, for first round purposes, Nick will have the first pick, Jerry will have the second pick, Nick will have the third pick, and Daniel have four, five, and six. Um, 
Yeah, I, the, and I, then, when th- when this started, I never would have fathomed that my all three of my picks would have been first rounders. Like, or in the first six, I'm sorry, in the first half oh, of this yeah. draft. Never, never yeah. would have expected this. And this gives me, it's, it's ammunition for myself as well. There's a lot of interesting pieces that could potentially be moved in these first three picks for me to acquire young proven talent and not necessarily taking a leap of faith. Oh, yeah. We always, you know, the first three drafts that we've had, 2019, 2020, and 2019, you know, first round picks moved like on the clock. You know, you've traded. I mean, you've had the Devontae Adams trade, I think, then year one. Um, You know, we see like that is a constant thing. And with you having multiple picks, and I think you right now are in a very just good spot because we've mentioned like the top tier talent is there, but it's not an easy call. So I think I think you're sitting in I think you're sitting pretty. Um, But, you know, enough about this. Let's we're going to do the first 12 picks. And this is just going to be like top 12 players it's not going to be like nick is picking this guy at one this is just who we think like are the top 12 players and we'll chat a little bit about them and go from there does that sound good that sounds good I'll, I, normally i start with these things but let's i'm going to turn the tables on you i'll let you have 1.1 here and say let's let's talk about your one of your favorite guys here yeah i mean so this again this is tough like i I'll be honest. If I had 1.1, I am looking to trade it. I do not want to have this pick because I think the quality of player that you're going to get is not a normal situation. Um, For comparisons, I think like 1.1 is usually like good enough to be a top 20 asset in Dynasty um, just right off the bat before he even plays a game. I think this year, I think you're looking at that player being closer to like a top 30, top 35 asset. It's still going to be good, but I think it's just a little bit of a value drop. So, I mean, you're right. Landing spot's going to matter. But without knowing that, I mean, I think for me, I'm going to go on position scarcity. You know, go for, you know, we always see what gets propped up most during drafts, and that's running backs. So I'm going to go with Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State. He's... You know, it's funny he's come from Iowa State because, you know, you get the David Montgomery comps. Um, he's uh, he's just good at what he does. He's an all-around back. Um, he's similar to Montgomery in that he's not a world-class athlete. He's not going to have blazing speed and run over people like that. But he's just effective at what he does. Um, you know, Hall is not going to, it's very unlikely. I think he's going to go in the first round, like we saw Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, but I think the second round is in play for sure. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my pick where I'm going with, if I had one out one right this day. Yeah. I think, I think there's just some pieces. So 2021 compared to 2020, exactly, exactly 100 yards less rushing in 2021 compared to the previous year almost doubled his receiving yards from 180 to 302. So he came up, what is that? That's going to be 360. So he came up 58 yards short. See, math and not drinking, you know, doing well. <laughs> 58 yards short of doubling up his receiving statistics. And in a PPR league, that's something that's very encouraging to see that he can be a factor in the passing game. I agree. He's not going to be a first-round guy, but this is a guy that, Rushed for 1,500 yards in 2020, just shy of 1,500 yards in 2021, but doubled his production out of the passing game. I I really love seeing that, and I think you're right. This is He might be the best player coming out at this position. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you look at the draft, I mean, he's probably not going to be a first-round pick, but, you know, if he goes to a team like Atlanta, you know, Miami, 
um, you know, I don't even know, Houston. Um, those are teams that I think he could come in and like, it'd be a very intriguing role for him to land in. And, uh, um, you know, just, it'd be a very desirable location for him or yeah, even I, Buffalo. Um, I you agree. know, there's several locations that could work out. That'll be I, running back needy. Yeah. Yeah. Very big fan. Huge fan. All right. Who are you taking at one dot two? I, so I think the quarterback situation to me in this class is very, intriguing but i fear that it's not a hundred percent where i think i feel confident in saying pre-landing spot where i like some of these guys so i'm going to take a talent here and i'm gonna go with Traylon burks um i the wide receiver class in this in this season is just insane and i think this is again one of the highlight pieces but this is also one of the biggest depth pieces that already exist in the nfl I really like what this kid's doing out of Arkansas. I had a up 300 plus yards or just shy of 300 yards from 2020 to 2021 on 15 more receptions, four more touchdowns, dynamic play, makeability. He's, I mean, he's six, three, he's a big kid. I like Traylon Burks here. Yeah. I mean, I think he's an awesome, you know, get, he's definitely my wide receiver one. I'm, you know, in some Debbie leagues, I have him, and I'm pretty excited to see how the draft process shakes out for him. He's someone that he's like in that Chase Claypool Megatron mold, just gigantic dude, and should be an athletic freak. And that's a fun combination. Um, he's, you know, it'll be very curious to see how his pro numbers um, combine stuff works out because I think he's someone that could. He's already going to be a high pick, but I think he's someone that could go even like higher than maybe we think right now, depending on how some of the stuff plays out. And I think you're right. A lot of these wide receivers, I think, are going to be combine orientated with yeah. it, how they look running routes, their their speed in the 40, just their their size compared to other people that are either oversized or undersized, undersized to them is truly going to make what NFL teams see as a need and a necessity to bring into their team. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, all right. Well, with 1.3, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like, I think a quarterback is going to go with one of these first two picks in real life, but it's just so hard to project who would be that, you know, who is going to be that person, um, that justifies going with that pick. And I, I just don't know who it is. So I'm, again, I'm going to be a broken record and kind of echo what I just said in I'm going to stick with the running back, you know, the position scarcity right now, when we look at this class, there's only, I mean, right now, at least there's really only two running backs that I think you feel really confident about um, them coming into this rookie draft and, you know, being likely a day two pick in the NFL draft. So I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller running back for Texas A&M. Um, he's a big guy, you know, six, one over two ten to 20. Um, he's a patient runner. Um, and he's got, you know, he's quick, he's twitchy. Um, the one weakness when you look at him, well, two weaknesses. I mean, he's not, at least so far, he hasn't really shown, um, to be very effective or used much in the passing game. And we know just how important that can be in the NFL and in a PPR league. So, you know, that's a little frustrating, but I think, you know, he's got the, the body, the skill set to be an effective every down running back in the NFL. Um, played in the SEC, you know, he's proven in that regard. Um, I think, you know, again, 
him or Brees Hall, I think, are going to be the first player taken, or first running back taken. And if he gets like kind of that dream landing spot, you know, if he goes to Atlanta, you know, if he goes to um, maybe Buffalo, you know, if he goes to one of those teams that really need a running back, I mean, hell, maybe even the Cardinals, Tampa Bay, potentially. Like if he goes to one of those teams, I think that's where you can see kind of the height build quickly for him. Yeah, I think he, you said patient runner. It's a lot of Lev Bell, I think, that you see in him. At least that that's where my comparisons go to when I see how his running style is. And he watches the play develop, which I think is super, super neat. 5.6 yards, an average carry in 2021. On, so he averaged one yard per carry better on nine less attempts. And he had basically almost the exact same rushing capacity to it. A couple more receptions, a couple less yards, but... I yeah I like Isaiah Spiller. I think he's a like you said, depending on the landing spot. And I think there's a couple running backs and a couple teams that become very interesting for these landing spots that truly make this player a little bit special. We saw this with Ceh, and we've seen little you know injury pieces with him. But depending on that landing spot, they become more and more valuable, and their draft stock just jumps up in a dynasty standpoint. Big time, and this isn't like you know the 2020 class where. You have a Jonathan Taylor or a, you know, a Swift that these guys were like one and two, like all year long. And then surprise, they go higher in the draft and now they have to vault a CEH up. Um, There just isn't that running back or that type of player. So no one, you're not vaulting past anyone. So if, you know, if, if Hall, if Spiller gets like that capital, it's not going to be a surprise that they are the 1.1. Whereas if like a, I don't even know. A Rashad White went in like the second round. Like you might not even know who that is, but like that would be a surprise. He would be like a CEH type player in this class to just fly upwards and it might not make as much sense. Yeah. I, it's so interesting. It really is. <laughs> it really, really is. Where are we going with 1.4 with your pick? All right. So I think, I think we can't ignore the, the elephant in the room anymore. And we're getting to number four and a quarterback hasn't come off here. Yep. And I think this is where, we could see a couple range of different people go, but give me Kenny Pickett. And okay. it's 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 tough to say part of this, but from a relatively consistent standpoint, and I'm going to say relatively because 2020 he had a couple missed games and things like that. But coming out this year playing playing football and throwing 42 touchdowns with seven picks and being able to move the ball, have a competent offense not the most mobile quarterback which i think is a unless downs- he's fake sliding but i hate it's kenny pickett rule we're gonna take this this, this is he's gonna live forever in history because he okie doke somebody thinking he's gonna slide mm-hmm. like if javi Baez did this like he would be the greatest fucking baseball player to run the bases next to ricky henderson <laughs> with it but that's this is just what it is but it's hard to deny what you saw him put up this season at Pitt with 4,000 yards in the air, 42 yeah. touchdowns. He only threw seven picks, only seven picks with a 67% completion rating. If you're going to knock him for one thing, he's not the most mobile guy in the world. And regardless of the, the one run that he had, he's not the most mobile guy in the entire world. But I'll tell you what, the dude can sling the ball. Yeah, no, it'll be very interesting. I mean, I think the consensus is this quarterback class doesn't look as impressive as what we saw last year um, for the NFL draft. But 
time and time again, we see quarterbacks rise, you know, quarterbacks go in the top 10. There's going to be two guys that go in the top 10 in the NFL draft. And if that's the case, they might end up going one and two in our draft just because of the position and how important it is to have a quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I think Pickett, he, you know, he's definitely the, well, I mean, really all the quarterbacks this year, the, the Zach Wilson types, the guys that just come out of nowhere and skyrocket up boards. Um, Kenny Pickett wasn't on the radar five months ago, and now he's going to be maybe a top five pick. That's, you know, ultimately the NFL. Just- it just goes to talk about the talent that is coming out of this draft is teams that need quarterbacks aren't essentially excited about what they have here, but it's a guy that you can let fly for a year. And if it sucks, okay, we're just right back to where we started just a year later with a more up and coming draft class. And are we out a little bit of money? Yeah. But are we going to have the option to grow between these two guys and watch them push each other? Absolutely. And the guy that might suck in year one might have a year two or year three opportunity due to injury or things like that. And we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's, it's not exciting, but I think I'm, I, I like Kenny Pickett here just from the fear, pure, the man put up points. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I respect it. Um, all right, let's move on to the, what are we at? The fifth five. pick. Yep. Five. Um, all right. I'm going to go wide receiver here and I'm going to go with Drake London, uh, wide receiver from USC. Um, if you know you want a player comparison, he's like the Mike Evans of this class, six five wide receiver. He's a big time contested ball, like jump ball guy. Um, go up and get it, and like he dominated. He only played eight games this year for USC before he fractured his foot, but you know was just one of the most you know dominating wide receivers in this class. Over 80 catches, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Like, he was USC's offense. Um, You know, a lot of teams, like, we're going to see multiple wide receivers go in the first round. London is very likely to be one of them. Um, And I think just with him, you know, and all these wide receivers, it's going to be a question on where he goes. You know, does he get, like, a dream landing spot, you know, with a team like, I mean, heck, the Patriots. Like, that might be a dream landing spot nowadays, Um, you know. Still, after all these years, I mean, the Eagles need a uh, wide receiver. The Bills might be in the market for a wide receiver. Um, You know, we'll see how this plays out and where he goes. But depending on how that shakes out, where he goes, London could be, you know, his range of outcomes is wide receiver one, wide receiver five. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But his upside and his measurables are, you know, only Burks can really match that. So London for me. Swing for the fences upside. That's the pick right now. Yeah, it's, he's six five. The kid's fucking huge mm-hmm. with it. And again, he, you said he played eight games. Yeah, eighty eight receptions. That's eleven receptions a game. And understanding that. Checks out. So, thank you, thank you. So I'm, I'm still doing well. I'm halfway through drink one. Um, <laughs> but we're. But I mean, that just I, I understand that passing offenses in college ball look a lot better than they should. But you can't argue with size and talent. And I think this is the kid that's got it. His longest catch was 44 yards, okay? Which means that he's going and getting balls and challenging cornerbacks for position to make the catch. And a guy that's a possession receiver in the NFL, look, look at what Hunter Renfro is at his small size. Imagine Hunter Renfro was 6'5 and being able to catch those balls like he does. Yeah, I, I love one here. He seems like a, a Dan pick. 
<laughs> with a, with a name like Drake London, how do you not like that? Like, not to mention <laughs> Hunter Renfro plays football and baseball. I mean, different people, but same name. Yep. I mean, it's super. I, it, both guys are playing outstanding ball. Yeah. I'm glad this turned into a Hunter Renfro love affair. Dude, I, dude he might be the next coming of Wes Walker. <laughs> just saying. Just All right. Saying. Where are we going with the six pack? All right. So I'm going to go back to the other guy that I was toying between when I picked picked the other quarterback, but Matt Coral. Yep. Coral Corral. Um, it's spelled like Coral. I think it's Coral, but I don't. Okay, I'm not so smart enough we'll, to know we'll for say sure. It, we'll say it in both options here just so we're consistent. So back-to-back years, over 3,300 yards. He actually only missed it by two yards last year. He over-indexed it by there. He had the, – the downside was he had a ton more attempts this season than he did prior, which resulted in a less – Corral. Okay. So UPIA mm-hmm. motherfucker. Um, <laughs> I, I heard that in the background. I fucking just immediately started <laughs> smiling on my end. <laughs> um, not as big a production this year. I, what we saw at Ole Miss is compared to 2020. But consistency for me is huge. And being able to be relatively comparative year after year is an encouraging sign from a, from a college quarterback coming into the pros. And that tells you he's not going to have a huge learning curve. The nice thing for me, he dropped 10 interceptions, which yeah. means that we see him making better decisions, going through his progressions, and really evolving to not just isolate a receiver where his number one look's going to be. And if he, we can continue to develop that into the NFL, I, I think he potentially might have a bright future. Not He's only six foot, so we're talking Drew Brees, Russell Wilson kind of thing, where we're bordering on. Are we know, still talking about quarterback tights? Is that still thin? It's it's like in baseball. I'm just going to continue to go to the baseball thing where, like, you look at a guy's face, and if he's got a chiseled chin and everything like that, you know, if he's got an attractive girlfriend, he's going to be really, really good at baseball. Um, I don't know how that pans out into football or anything like that, but, mm-hmm. you know, if he's got an ugly girlfriend in the baseball league, he's probably not going to be fucking good. Um, <laughs> the one thing I don't think you mentioned with him is he's got the rushing upside that Pickett doesn't have. He really does, yeah. Um, you know, I don't think he's not like a Lamar Jackson or, you know, Kyler Murray type run or runner. But I mean, he, you know, I think he's someone that can get like 400 yards. And, you know, when you factor it all in, probably add three to four points a game, you know, to his point total just from, you know, his legs. So that'll be a nice added bonus. Um, you know, nowadays, that's, I mean, I don't want to say a must, but if you don't have the rushing upside, it really caps your ceiling. And, yep. You know, he's going to have that. So that's a nice perk. Yep. I, R- Nick Ruth and, you know, RIP Nick Ruth in the podcasts. <laughs> Rushing quarterbacks are broken. And there's a lot of them we have in the league. The only anomaly being Mac Jones and Tom Brady. with Because <laughs> neither of them are fucking fast. But kudos to Tom Brady for going out and, you know, shaming people on social media for. He okie doked somebody from the Rams. And that was fucking dirty. <laughs> but, um, it, yeah. I, if you're in the right offense, like Mac Jones is, it's effective. But if you're not in the right offense, dear Christ, your legs are the greatest thing you can ever have. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. Um, I think this is a good pick. I like it a lot. All right, seven. All right, um, I'm going to go with wide receiver, and I'm going to go with uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, he's from Ohio State. Um, Wilson is a very... 
um, you know, just talented and kind of savvy runner. Um, he's, you know, a great route runner and he's got like the separation, you know, he's got good yak abilities, um, run after the catch, um, you know, versatility. I'm not sure. I think, I don't know if he's like an outside guy, you know, like we can see maybe a Drake London or Traylon Burks being, but I think he like potentially in the slot role, I think, uh, Wilson could be very talented in that regard. Um, you know, we talked about Burks. We talked about London. I mean, Wilson, if you're a betting man, he's probably going to be the first wide receiver taken in the draft just because his skill set seems to be a little bit more um, of that that the NFL desires um, and values and places a premium on. So, you know, that doesn't mean that he'll be the best. But, you know, like we've seen these speedier guys sometimes go higher than we might think they should or deserve to go. Um, but Wilson's still a very talented guy. He's been extremely successful at Ohio State. I mean, their wide receiver room is just loaded with talent um, the past few years. I mean, we're going to talk about his teammates maybe shortly, or if not, he'd be in the second round. Um, and some of his other teammates, I mean, the following year in 2023, he might be the wide receiver one. Um, another running uh, receiver we're going to talk about, I'm sure, um, transferred out of this room to go to Alabama. Um, it's just, it's a stacked room. And Wilson has been the the brightest light in it uh, for the last two years. So I'm going to go Wilson here. It, love the pick. Love the pick. It, it, just not as big as 6'5", he's six, six foot. But yeah, I think you're right. We saw a lot of NFL ready skills come out of him. And that's, that's huge. And I think this is a guy that depending on the landing spot could either catapult him into top potential pick range, mm -hmm. or if it's not as ideal, watch him fall back because you're not sure what this passing offense is going to be. If he ends up on the jets, we're not sure what it's going to be, but it's, it's a couple different th I just had a fucking ad come out of my ears. Holy shit. Sorry, I had to fucking turn that off real quick. Um, fucking statistics websites ad bullshit. Um, speaker that sponsored by Tito's. Um, yeah, I young talented kid, really, really like him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's someone when you look like his range of outcomes, you know, going in the early, you know, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick, but I think he could be in like the teens. So when you start to look at that, I mean, it could maybe be a Philadelphia Eagle pick if they want to go wide receiver again. Um, if not there, I mean, the Saints and Raiders, I think are two teams that could be in the market for a wide receiver. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a pretty big market for Wilson and he's gonna, he'll be a good player next year. Really love the receiver class in this. And the more we talk about, the more I, any, any receiver depth teams that need talent that have mm -hmm. opportunities in this draft, I think are really excited. So where are we going with number eight? So I'm going to go with the guy that's under six foot, but okay. in a position where you can be shifty and ideal. And I'm going to take Kenneth Walker out of Michigan state. Okay. Um, I think this is probably one of the last, maybe not necessarily top end picks that we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes as early as five in our draft, understanding that's where I sit, but maybe even as late as 10 or 11, depending on his landing spot, but he's a young shifty guy, you know, 263 attempts on the ground this year, 1,600 yards. He found the end zone 18 times, but not a lot of passing game efficiency. And I don't know if it's the program or the lack of trust for him catching the ball, but this is very much a ground and pound kind of back from a guy that's only 5'10", 210 pounds. Um, it makes you nervous with the size, and we said the same thing for Michael Carter coming out here, but Michael Carter was arguably – 
RB1 status playing with the Jets. And I, I just feel like Kenneth Walker is the right place to go here. Yeah, I mean, again, position scarcity, right? We mm-hmm. see running backs, you know, go higher than maybe they should. Um, and it'll all depend on landing spot, how the NFL views them. Um, but, you know, these running backs can get you in trouble. I'm not saying Walker will, but, you know, is he, you know, a Clyde edwards Lair or is he someone like a Trey Sermon? You know, someone that shouldn't go as high as he did, but he does. And now you take him and you regret the pick after like a month. <laughs> um, or, you know, I mean, Clyde edwards Lair, he you might regret the pick, but he's still proven to be a very solid running back. So, Walker, I mean, I don't think he's in that mold. You know, he was awesome at Michigan State this year, but it's just going to be interesting to see how the NFL views him and really this running back class as a whole. Yeah. All right. All right. We got four picks left, right? Yes. Uh, So I got pick nine, and I'm... (laughs) Where do you go from here? Yeah, I mean, this is where it starts to get a little bit ugly, um, I think, you know, going back to kind of just my mindset and swinging for upside, um, I'm going to go with quarterback. And I think for my money, if there's a quarterback that you told me like three years from now, like is a elite quarterback from this class, I think it'll be this guy, um, Sam Howell, uh, quarterback for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, he so he's kind of interesting. Like last year, he set the world on fire. Um, Thirty five hundred yards passing. Uh, over 30 touchdowns, you know, great um, TD to interception ratio. Um, and, you know, it was awesome. You know, he was also playing with a lot of talent around him. And all those guys left this offseason. He lost Michael Carter that you mentioned, uh, Javante Williams. Um, you lost Daz Newsome. And who was the wide receiver that he lost that I'm blanking on? I'm not going to be able to help you here. Sorry. It's okay. I can uh, I can fill in a little bit of time while you type on your keyboard and you try and figure out where we're at with it because that's kind of what the best podcast part in the entire world does. It's just it's just it's just drum the comic relief on the drunk ass on the other side, but I buy filler time. And I think that's the most important thing that what I get don't get recognized for. I appreciate your service immensely. That's what I'm here for. If I if I'm gonna spew bullshit, I'm gonna make sure you have the time to click on Google. Diami Brown. See, look it crushed it. I appreciate that. So anyways, you know, two running backs, his top two wide receivers all under the NFL draft last year. And because of that, his production went down. Um, He wasn't quite as efficient. He didn't have as much yards. Um, The one encouraging sign is he rushed a lot more. You know, he showed a rushing upside that you did not see the first two years. So it's nice to know that he has that in his bag of arsenal um, and his tricks. Um, I think, you know, the one thing with Hal, and it's a comparison, if you do any draft research, you're going to see it made, is he gets kind of comp to Baker Mayfield. And it's easy to see it. He's kind of got that scrappiness. He even kind of looks like Baker Mayfield a bit. Um, and Mayfield, you know, unfortunately, depending on, you know, your thoughts on him, he really hasn't lived up to the expectations. Um, so, but the one good thing that I like about Hal and maybe some of the other quarterbacks in this class is because... Maybe they don't go super high. They fall a little bit in the first round and they go to teams and organizations that aren't necessarily bad. You know, this year, when we look at the class, we saw five quarterbacks taken in the first 14 picks. And the best one so far has been Mac Jones. And I think that's in large part because he went to the Patriots. Um, If Sam Howell falls in the first round and goes to like Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, if he falls and goes to, I mean, 
the Detroit Lions with their second pick, that wouldn't be ideal. But if he goes to, I mean, the, the Steelers is the dream, right? If that can somehow happen or the Denver Broncos, those two teams, I think, are organizations that have proven to be mostly good at doing their job. And I think that could be a godsend for his value. And especially since both those teams just have a great supporting cast as is. So, um, yeah, I hope he doesn't go high. And I hope he falls to a good team like the Steelers or something and um, lights the world on fire. I think you're right. I think the landing spot for for Howell is going to be huge. And we've talked about these two teams for a couple weeks now. It's what do you like about Denver? What do you like about Pittsburgh? And there's got to be a quarterback that ends up here somewhere. Because Mason Rudolph is 100% not the answer. Teddy Two Gloves, Drew Locke, not the answer. As much as I really like Drew Locke's back, you know, I'll just hammer that little piece for a second here. I... I have Mitch Trubisky PTSD with North Carolina quarterbacks. I get sorry. It's just it what is yeah, what it no, is. It's, it's fair. But it's a he's it's played a, all three years though. Mitch was he, a one year wonder, and that's yep. you like to see that. You're right, and I think that's the big piece to it is we we see more than 16 game or you know 12, 12 16 games. games. Yeah, 12 games, 16 for the NFL, 12. I had baby steps in my direction here. <laughs> this is where the math begins to fade, my friend. Um, but you're right. We we see the consistency. We see the small downtick because he, he did lose a bunch of big name guys and three of the four of those guys have made an impact in the NFL right now. Yeah. With it. And that's huge from a talent perspective. It's like, it's like going to Alabama, losing everybody, but retooling with the exact same guys that are going to yeah. be in the exact same yeah, spot. North Carolina doesn't reload. <laughs> no, no. It, it, and it's the rough part about it. I think this is a, his landing spot is huge. And even if it's, two years down the road for the guy that he's backing up that's on the end of a contract or, you know, older, mm-hmm. this is a guy that might be, even if he's not going to make a, a year one or year two impact, that could be worth the investment early on in this draft. Yeah, big time. I hope I hope he falls and he goes to Pittsburgh Broncos. Hell, even the Saints or Vikings. Like, yep. get, get out of, of the top teams. 10. Don't go to the, the Lions. Don't go to the giants if for whatever reason to take a quarterback hell i don't even know if you want to go to the panthers nowadays um but yeah so be interesting to see it unfolds all right three more picks left dan you got two more to go where are you going at number 10 all right give me the last guy i think we're going to talk about from a quarterback perspective and yep. it, it's it's tough Liberty's not a big name school and nope. you don't play against the best talent in the world but malik willis is a very intriguing quarterback from a production in the pocket perspective more pass attempts this year than before double his interceptions four more touchdowns more yardage but am i wrong to think malik willis is the pick here no i think with willis you know how is someone i feel more confident or most confident in figuring things out and being the guy but if you want just pure upside Willis is head and shoulders above every other quarterback in this class. His rushing upside is like just a few notches below guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. Like he's someone that he, his floor is probably going to be eight to nine points in the rushing side of things. And that's just a huge upside advantage that you get at the quarterback position. The passing game is, you know, 
it's I wouldn't say it's rough, but it's definitely like Lamar Jackson in the sense that he needs to refine things. He needs to go to a team that maybe can help turn him into a better passer. But he's got all the tools, you know, and he's got the upside. You know, if you're picking him here, you know, you're you're rolling the dice and it could does it come up snake eyes or, you know, what's what's the result? Um, it'll take a few years, I think, to fully figure that out. But I, I think it's the right pick. Yeah, I, I the landing spot and we're going to we say this all the fucking time. But for Malik Willis, this truly is super important to where he ends up. If he can get a couple playmaking receivers that are willing to sacrifice themselves for <laughs> slightly off target passes like Hollywood Brown and some other receivers are in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. This guy is super effective and he can take a team and elevate them to not being able to focus on just the rushing side of the offense, but he opens up a little bit of the passing game, mm-hmm. but it's the same Josh Allen type without the arm strength where he can be mobile outside of it. And if he can develop the pocket piece to it, very, very effective. Yeah. And I mean, that's the nice thing, or that's just the hack, you know, when he has the legs, it's the passing thing doesn't even need to be amazing for him to be relevant. I mean, look at Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts. Those guys are going to be, look at any rankings this week, top 10 plays for quarterbacks. And they, you know, suck at passing the ball, (laughs) but their legs, you know, their legs to give them 10 points every week. And if he, you know, it's a first round pick. You can pencil them in for about at least four years of opportunity. So that's, you know, in dynasty, I mean, four years, like that's what you want to be like looking at four year windows. So um, if Willis does get that first round draft capital, he's, I don't think going to go 10. I think he's going to go in like the top three. He might be gone before you're even picking. But for right now, you know, for us speculating and not knowing. Yeah, totally fine with this pick right here at 10. All right. Last pick, my brother. What do you got? All right. I think, you know, now and, you know, I won't speak for you, but for where I see it is like this is where you see the strength of this class. And that's at the wide receiver position. There's several intriguing options still available. Um, For me, though, I'm going to go with David Bell, um, wide receiver from Purdue. Um, Purdue just the last few years. I mean, we saw Rondale more last year, David Bell this year. Um, They have playmakers at the wide receiver position. Uh, David Bell, um, the reason why he's maybe not higher um, is he's got the size, but the athletic um, side of things seems to be a little bit of a concern. So you're going to be very curious to see how the combine and those numbers play out for him um, because he's got the production. I mean, he dominated with Rondale more or less their last two years. You know, he was spectacular as a freshman, you know, sophomore and now a junior. He's just produced nonstop anytime he's had the opportunity um, for him. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick unless he lights the world on fire at the the combine, but I think it's safe to say he's going to be a second round pick. You know, he could be in that, you know, and we see a lot of second round wide receivers fall and produce very well. You know, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, um, T Higgins, uh, Michael Pittman. I mean, the list goes on. Um, It's not a death sentence by any means, but I think Bell could be someone that goes in the anywhere in the second round. And there's a lot of, you know, teams that are going to need a wide receiver. And Bell, he doesn't have that outstanding trait, which is the only thing that worries me about him. Um, But for right now, betting that the production you saw for three years in college will translate to the NFL. And I got to, you know, I got to roll the dice with him. 
Yeah, it, there was no way he was getting past me at 12. And I think this was this was a really good pick for it. But you're right. It's a ton of upside. It's a guy that you can get production out of. And he's going to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three in an offense going into his rookie year. And is going to be given the opportunity to showcase his talents from a possession side of the ball. Um, I Yeah, I really like him. All right, mister. Where are we going with the last pick? So I think I'm not pick sure ball. where you, you hinted at him earlier. Yep. With it. And I think are we doing it. I think we're going to do it. Jameson Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Huge year out of Alabama. And yeah. understanding we watched the Heisman Trophy winner come out of Alabama. Kudos to, to him. First quarterback coming out of Alabama in the longest time winning <laughs> the Heisman. But 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns massive massive year for jameson williams and he is a big upside swing for an opportunity to be dynamic like jalen waddle it has been this year and i think that's the i think that's the piece that i'm going to compare it to is jalen waddle with a lot of the the possession type things and it's i want to i fucking hate that i'm a broken record in landing spots mm-hmm but him getting an opportunity is going to make or break his career in year one, in his rookie year. It really is going to. If he gets an opportunity, he's going to succeed. If he's sitting wide receiver three, wide receiver four, flex optionable, I'm not as confident, but I think he's going to get his chance. Yeah, well, I mean, depending on you know the mock drafts that you look at, a lot of people are high on him. Um, he is probably going to be the fastest wide receiver in this class. And we see time and time again, like that speed kills, like the high, you know, the flashy guys that run the four three forties, which supposedly he fully will do, um, could potentially break into four twos. Like he's going to go high. He's going to be a first round pick. Um, I mean, you know, it, not to make light of it, but with rugs, you know, not here in Oakland, I mean, could definitely see Oakland considering him in the middle of the first round um, or, you know, some of the other teams we've talked about the saints, you know, desperately are going to need a wide receiver um so for jameson williams i mean he's been very impressive this year you know to transfer over through the portal um year one in alabama he just lit the world on fire um i think the biggest question is going to be you know how much of this hype that we've seen is related to just being you know an alabama wide receiver and how much of this hype is earned um you know it'll be fascinating to see how the draft process plays out and the combine goes and how these, you know, once the NFL really gets a look at these things, because right now, you know, when we talk about all these players, we're relying on the lens of, you know, dynasty experts, you know, NFL draft experts, and they don't know shit because otherwise they'd be employed by the NFL. Yep. So it'll just be interesting. I always, I love, you know, following that this process, you know, and how everything plays out. But I mean, you could really sleep until February and once the NFL switches to draft season that's when the fun begins so I'm excited to see how it plays out I think I think you made some good picks this year Dan and I'm excited to see how um, you know we'll do a few more of these but it's it's an interesting class so my question for you is so just specific to Williams top two overall 40 yard combine one or two is Jamison Williams one of those guys for speed this year on straight 40 is Jamison William number one or number two? Or do you have the field? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'll think he's going to be number one or one or two. I agree. 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah. yeah, very much so. I mean, he's the NFL, like said, you know, this is they've shown time and time again, that's what they value. Um, so he's going to be a high pick more than likely. And, you know, is he going to be rugs? Is he going to be Waddle? You know, that you, you compared, you, you mentioned Waddle, and I think that's a fair comparison. And Waddle's been awesome for a rookie. Um, or is he going to be more like rugs and be more a decoy and not be, you know, when he was playing, you know, a very successful fantasy option. Um, that I mean, he could be one of those cases where he's a more productive NFL player than he is fantasy player. And you hope that isn't the case. Yep. All right. Anything else with this class before we move on to talk about playoffs? I think a lot of the people we didn't talk about are going to really rely on the combine to hype their draft status. And I think this is a very muddy draft class. There's some there's some diamonds in the rough. Oh, yeah. And it's are we gonna see them in combine ready? Or is this gonna be a diamond in the rough draft class where you get lucky that this guy fell to you and you had the opportunity to pick him and you made the right selection. This is a very interesting draft to say the very least, as we sit so far. Agreed. All right, let's move on to the playoffs. We've got two matchups this week um, with two teams on a bye. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, the six playoff teams are Zane has the bye in the Avengers division. I am the two seed, and Jerry is the three seed. Jerry and I will be facing off this week for the right to play Mr. Zane. And in the Justice League, Stefan has a bye. Uh, I believe, is Kevin the two seed or is Adam? Um, let me go to the playoff bracket that sits down here, which I am on the wrong screen for. Do, do, do. Uh, Kevin's two seed. Kevin's two seed. Adam is the three seed. And Adam. Uh, yep. Yep. Kevin's the two seed by about 70 points. Perfect. And Adam and Jer, first time playoff appearance. You know, so the question is, are they going to be one and done or, or are they going to make some noise? Um, you know, Dan, let's just, I guess let's start with the play the matchup of the week, which is me versus Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, only I, if you it, want to have a nightmare. Is it bad that I set my lineup because I wanted to beat the shit out of Chris in the loser bracket? Hey, whatever helps you <laughs> sleep at night, bud. Oh, it's so good. No, so good. but let's, okay. I mean, let's go through each matchup and yeah. I guess we'll start in, um, how about Jerry and I, let's just yeah. go through that. Let's I'm get it out of the way. Good way um, you know, how about uh, I'll let you break down Jerry's kind of team and how it sits, and then I'll talk about my roster. Okay, I mean, so let's let's I'm gonna go position by position by position here. So let's look QB. Taysom Hill is arguably one of the best playoff matchups from a passing perspective. The next three weeks in the playoffs. <clears throat> Sorry, um, I hate Taysom Hill with an ungodly passion. Yeah, it's it, it's I, not it's not pretty, and but it's but it's so it's, it's, juicy it's of a matchup though. Yeah, and I hate that Jalen Hurts is questionable at best, and he has Washington coming this week, which is pretty decent in the passing game. Am I just doing Jerry, or am I comparing? I just want to clarify. What do you? Yeah, just just Jerry. okay, just Jerry. Yeah, so. Hertz is going to be interesting. Henderson's on COVID watch and he has an opportunity to get himself back here in time. 
if Henderson's not back, Jerry's matchup is very, very much an uphill battle. And that to me is going to be the difference maker in this matchup. Playoff Lenny has been great, a little ankle issue, but we're not overly concerned. Hunter Renfro, DK Metcalf, Hunter Renfro has been, he had 28 points last week, 13 that, receptions. Hunter Holy Renfro's, shit. Hunter Renfro is Jerry's best wide receiver uh, right now, at least. Right now, 100% there. I hate the St. Brown start, but when we look at Jerry's depth on the roster, there's not many things. Robert Woods being out on IR is tough. Zach Pascal's been rough. Kendrick Bourne is interesting, but I mean, what are your thoughts on James Robinson? It's you know the Jacksonville situation is ugly right now. It's, um, Jacksonville is just it, ugly altogether with Urban Meyer kicking players. Yeah, it for sure. Can you even afford to experiment with him? I mean, right now Jerry th- says no. I, I agree Saint with you. It's, it's a no. Yeah. It's yeah. that's the crazy I, I part agree. about this. St. Brown is the better option just because he has target appearance. Jared Goff knows he exists. Urban Meyer, I don't think, has any idea James Brown, James Robinson is on the roster. Probably not. And, and Jerry's depth could potentially be an issue here. Darnell Mooney on the bench is an interesting piece to it. Um I feel like Darnell Mooney was so much better with Andy Dalton in the roster, but it's he's such a young, talented kid with huge playmaker upside. And I think LaVisca Chenault is another interesting piece on Jerry's bench that Jerry's got some interesting picks here with it. The one question I have here is, I so I own a Kyle Pitts share. I really like what Kyle Pitts has, but to me, Kyle Pitts has been boomer bust. And I'll let you weigh in on that. It's been the weeks with Kyle Pitts where he's had a 30 week, he's had a 26 week, but he's had weeks in the fours and the fives. It's uh, the enigma that is Kyle Pitts. I don't know if it stems around Matt Ryan or the coaching staff, but I, I, he's the real deal. When will they start focusing him more? And that's if Pitts goes off, Jerry wins. That's a hundred it pits and Henderson are the two things on Jerry's roster that make me begin to believe that he can do it. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, as far as Pitts goes, he's been extremely impressive for a rookie tight end. Um, period. Like over 700 yards, he's going to clear probably 900 yards, maybe even a thousand by year end. Um, but he's been disappointed or he's been disappointing by the standard that he's, the greatest tight end prospect of all time. Um, you know, his draft capital, his expectations, like he needs to be better than tight end eight. Um, and he's capable of doing that. You know, we've seen kind of that boomer bust that you mentioned. Um, but I, I don't know where that comes. If that's, I think that's just experience with him in the position. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily fault Matt Ryan, cause we've seen him, you know, make Russell Gage, you know, be effective. <laughs> Zekeus be effective. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, Ridley when he was playing. Um, so I, I don't know if I'd throw it all under Matt Ryan. Um, system, maybe uh, I, I would maybe, you know, give some issues to that. But um, Pitts is fully capable of going off, you know, two games over 25 points. For a tight end in general, that's impressive. For a rookie tight end, that's phenomenal. Um, and that's, you know, that's what gets you excited about him and his future. Um, 
Will it happen this week, though? I mean, this is a tough matchup against San Francisco. Arguably, maybe the toughest, you know, with who he has to go up um, at the linebacker position, you know, cornerback position. Their defense is very talented. Um, It's tough, but if anyone's capable of doing it and breaking out, it's Kyle Pitts. Yeah. All right. So take me through your side. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you look at my team, it's, you know, a little bit cut and dry um, at the quarter or at the quarterback position. You know, I'm hoping, you know, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, um, no issues with COVID popping up, you know, knock on wood. Um, both guys matchups are so, so um, Wilson's got the rivalry game, rivalry game against the LA Rams and Kyler Murray's got a little bit of a better one against Detroit, but um, I worry that that game could be a blowout and he rests in the second half. We'll see um, at the tight end position or excuse me. Wow. The running back position, I think things are a little bit, you know, juicier for me. Um, Ezekiel Elliott going up against the Giants. I mean, Zeke's been good this year. You know, not elite, but he's been good. Um, it's a pretty decent matchup. Um, Delvin Cook, though, Monday night against, you know, Chicago. That that could be a really good matchup. Yeah. Um, the, the problem, though, is, and the thing that worries you, you know, we haven't mentioned it, is the COVID element. Um, This is, you know, we talked about it with Daryl Henderson, but there's been a lot of guys. I mean, I hope you don't have a Cleveland Cleveland Brown player because it seems like they don't have anyone that's healthy at this point right now. But um, it's a lot of people are testing positive. And, uh, you know, you don't, I don't know if you feel confident, you know, starting these guys late because if, Cook is scratched last minute. I'm going to be fucked. Oh, dude. Madison tested positive. Madison's on COVID watch right now. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to be very interesting to see how this COVID element plays out. I know there's a few teams, I believe the Vikings and Bears are one of them, that are under, like, COVID watch and, you know, just doing everything virtually. You know, you hope no one else tests positive um, or no late minute people test positive because if that happens... And like we saw Monday night, you know, Tyler Higby was a late minute scratch, you know, for the Rams. I, I had him started in the league. Yeah, it's it's going to be shitty if that happens. But, you know, this is just kind of the world that unfortunately we live in right now. Um, so that, you know, with Cook and he's unvaccinated, uh, that that scares me a little bit. Um, wide receiver, I think, you know, overall solid. I've got T Higgins, um, who's been on fire of late, but not the best matchup against the Broncos. Uh, Cooper. Um, going up against those Giants, I mean, pretty decent matchup. Um, I've got Judy going up against Cincinnati. That's solid okay. Um, I didn't mention James Conner, but he's been one of the better running backs of late. It'll be interesting to see if Edmonds is back and how that maybe impacts the role because Conner has been extremely impressive um, since Edmonds went down. I mean, and at tight end, I mean, I hope Waller's back. We'll see if he is or not. I know he hasn't practiced yet this week, so that's not looking great. If he doesn't play, I'm going to have to look at a backup, and I don't even know. Yeah, dude. where do you go from there? That was going to be my question for you. It's where do you go? You know, I I, I don't know Robinson, the answer to that Crowder? yet. Damian Harris, Allen Robinson, mm-hmm. Jamison Crowder, I think those are the three front runners. Um, But, you know, I, I'm not feeling great about any of them, to be honest. Um. Thankfully, I have Mark Andrews, who if, you know, George Kittle wasn't a thing these last week, we would be very, um, you know, talking about Andrews and just how amazing he's been of late. But um, I've, you know, got some matches, matchups that I feel good about, but other things that I don't feel good about. So a pretty normal week for me. Where's your breaking point? Like, where do you where do you 
like white flag, like this is fucking where it is on my on my roster. What what things have to happen where you're not feeling confident in what happens? I mean, I need, you know, Cook and Zeke to have really good games. You know, they've got good matchups. I need them to be healthy. I need them both to combine to go for probably 35 points. If that doesn't happen, you know, I'm not feeling great about this week's matchup. Okay. So shout out to Zane for getting the pick them started early prior to podcast. So at the time we go into this matchup, there have been six votes casted. Five for you, one for Jerry. Yep. So I'll let... I'll let you pick first because I I found out that you've already picked these matchups. I have not. Yeah, I'll and let this... you go because I'm I'm not changing them. So there's no. You yeah, know. you the, you, you pick. And just to confirm, you have right now a two game lead, so it's it's going to be risky. I I don't know if I can overcome it with uh, a few games left, but we'll see. Yep. So can I play on a caveat? Is nope. my question. Nope. I can't play on a. You played on a caveat earlier this year the fuck do you mean i can't play on a caveat then why are you asking if you're 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 because i I want i want permission i gave you permission i just want the i want the equal courtesy well let's hear what the caveat is you know i'm not going to just blindly say yes to things if daryl henderson plays jerry beats you okay if daryl henderson does not play you run away with this okay that's fair um and, and it's only because jerry doesn't have the depth to cover the running back piece Okay, I buy that. Um, I'm going Jerry regardless. I think he's got really. He's got just so many boomer bust players that that scares me in the playoffs because this time of year we see weird things happen. And when I look at Jerry's team, I mean, I see you know Jalen Hurts and Taysom Hill. They, you know, a, a week from now we could be talking how they combine to score just like 15 points between them. We could also be talking how they combine to go for 55 points. Um, and that scares me because both of them have two pretty solid matchups, two rivalry matchups, two matchups that their teams are going to want to kick the shit or tooth, claw, and nail to get points on the board at any means possible. So those guys just in particular really scare me. Um, the fact that Metcalf has, you know, I don't even know if he exists the last month, but I feel like he's just due for a game. And against the LA Rams, again, another rivalry, I think, you know, that that scares me. So just matchups like that. And I mean, Henderson, you're right. That is, that could be a tipping point. I'm not going to do any caveat because I'm not like you. But, um, <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your fucking statement. Go ahead. But, you know, I mean, I think, you know, if Henderson obviously plays, that helps him. But if he doesn't, I mean, James Robinson, I mean, Urban Meyer, you can say whatever the fuck you want about him. He's, you know, can he really double down? quadruple down on his idiot or just tomfoolery and just being an idiot maybe but i'll choose to believe that he'll maybe utilize james robinson and if you know jerry needs to substitute him in i don't know if he'll miss a beat all right yep fucking throw that shit in my face fucking let's move on all right so the other matchup let's go on to the justice league and this is, you know, Kevin taking on Adam. This is, I mean, Stefan's team is obviously just on an insane win streak. Adam almost beat him last week. And yep. Adam's yep. team is, I mean, really starting to get into a groove. I mean, he's got Kittle, who's maybe the hottest player in fantasy of late. I mean, Justin Jefferson, you know, wide receiver one overall probably right now. Um, 
mean, Rashad Penny, Kittle, maybe Kittle he's a scored 84 points in the last two weeks. Yeah, that's fucking banana. Insane. For sure. So, I mean, and then for Kevin's team, I mean, it's, you know, all well, the mighty have fallen. Um, things looked so great, you know, about seven weeks ago. And now, well, they don't look so great. Um, I fucked up on getting taps ready for this, by the way. Well, you know, <laughs> we, we we can maybe do that during the prediction. Okay. Spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know who you want to talk about. If you want to talk about Kevin's team. Oh, give me the honor. I, I hype I the fuck out of Kevin's team to start the season. So give me Kevin. The honor. All day, okay. every day. Uh, we'll let you wrap up with Kevin. I'll start with okay. Adam's team. Um, but I mean, I think when you look at Kevin, I mean, or excuse me, Adam, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, um, the Chiefs in general kind of are on a roll of late. Mahomes, though, last three weeks and really the season, you know, the last at least eight has not been the hottest thing ever. Um, and this stretch now to wrap up the year, he's got at the Chargers, Pittsburgh, and then Cincinnati. Those aren't great matchups, but, you know, he is Mahomes. And you're going to start him with 100% confidence. But, you know, can we see him get hot? He's going this Thursday night. Um, that's the question to watch. Um, the second quarterback, you know, right now he's going with Matt Ryan against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I wonder how much of a consideration with Tyler Haneke. Um, I know he's coming off the injury, but the Philadelphia matchup is interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I might go Heineke, to be honest, over Ryan, but I, I get it. Um, at running back, I mean, Austin Eckler, um, he's had a little bit of an injury. It'll be interesting to see, you know, hopefully nothing flares up and keeps him out. Cordell Patterson, you know, Cooper Cup is in that fantasy MVP. Patterson's might be number two fantasy MVP. Um, Diggs, again, been a little bit disappointing of late, but he's still, you know, better than some of the other options, I guess. Um, Justin Jefferson's awesome. You know, George Kittle, we talked about, he's just been dominant these last two weeks. Um, hopefully he can keep it rolling against the Atlanta Falcons. Rashad Penny, you know, rose from the dead, dominated last week. Is that a fluke, or are we going to see him bounce back with a three-point game? I couldn't tell you what. Um, I think the biggest question marks, you know, when you look at Adam's team, though, are those last two bench spots. You know, right now you've got Julio Jones and Dalton Schultz. You know, what kind of production do we see from them? Um, Julio Jones, he's it hasn't been a great year, uh, just, you know, being honest. He has not been productive. He has not been successful. Um, it's been a disappointment. Um, but, you know, he's Julio Jones. Um, and will we see him break out this year again, or this week against Pittsburgh Steelers? Maybe. Um, Dalton Schultz, I mean, the Cowboys in general just have been disappointing, you know, Dak Prescott, extremely disappointing these last few weeks. Um, can we see them rebound in a rivalry game, you know, against the Giants? You know, that's we know how those rivalry games get, um, potentially. I think when I look at, you know, this, I, I don't know if I'd go Schultz. Um, if Edmonds is active, he might be intriguing just because of the matchup against the Lions. Even if he doesn't get a ton of work, I think he could get limited usage and dominate. Um but yeah, outside of that, I mean, Slim Pickens kind of on the bench. We'll see with Miles Gaskin and the COVID situation. If he plays, I think he's a no-brainer start. But I don't know if he will, just with how things have worked out with COVID. So we'll see. Um, 
How yeah. let's let's any comments on Adam's team before we I jump think, into I think Adam? Hit the hit the hit the hit the hit the nail on the head. Dana Boy Daniel, good shit. Um, there's a lot of pieces that are slim for options for Adam, and any kind of setback with Eckler's injury or Kittle or some of the other guys with it. I I think Taylor Heineke is the play. I really really think Taylor Heineke is the play over Matt Ryan. I, I really, really like where I saw, and I'll be upfront. I own Hineke in a league that I have the buy-in in a league. His playoff matchups are the juiciest next to maybe Taysom Hill, but I hate that ass clown. So I'm going to say Taylor Hineke's are the best matchups for the playoffs out of a lot of quarterbacks. I think he's the play. I, I really, I really do. COVID yeah, situation and everything like that. You've got one, maybe at, most two flex options. Matt Breida's been an enigma, but he has such an upside depending on which guy we see. But you're right. Gaskin's the guy. If he's going to go, he's going to go. And he needs to be in the lineup. Um, that Those are the last remaining thoughts I have on Adam's team. All right. What All do right. you got about Kevin's team? All right. So, so King Henry, rip. Um, I mean, your best player is done. And that's kind of tough with it. But the Stafford Van Jefferson connection over the last couple of weeks has been absolutely insane. 18, 16, and 14 points respectively over the last three weeks is a great stack to have. Melvin Gordon's shown some life. Aaron Jones has been good. Devontae Adams has been outstanding. Elijah Mitchell has been, I hyped him up to begin with, and this is just Kevin's curse because I've been all in on fucking Kevin here, is not ideal. But with that being said, Melvin Gordon flexes into the wide receiver or into the running back spot. But Kevin's got some depth options. Devin Singletary's been kind of interesting. You really wish you had Michael Carter, but that's not a thing. Adam Thielen is a questionable piece. A lot of, you know, ankle injuries are going to be a little tough. He's got Shepard and Holiday on the stack here, but you don't feel really good about that because the Giants offense is kind of shitty. Logan Thomas's piece hurts. And Cole Komet has been the uh, man. I really want to like Cole Komet as a play, but I don't. So Kevin, I think Kevin's biggest downside is he has options, and options for a playoff fantasy owner can be the end of your demise. And that and that's the interesting piece. Um, you know. Titans play Pittsburgh here, and I'm not sure how to feel about Tannehill's matchup. I'm really not. It's very concerning. It's very interesting, but... Well, I was going to ask you, um, yeah. Tannehill or Big Ben? Kevin has the option to start both. Right now he's going Tannehill. Am I crazy that I prefer Big Ben? I You're not. No, I'm thinking the exact same thing as I sit here and I contemplate them, their head-to-head matchup. Big Ben has shown more upside. Mm-hmm. Than Ryan Tannehill has over the last couple weeks, and I think I like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense better than I like the Titans Titans defense. And yeah, I think I you're 100 right. I think the play is Big Ben. I like Stafford. Stafford has so many more options with it. I think Derek Carr against Cleveland is an interesting piece. It really, really is. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it'd be interesting to see how the 
the COVID situation the, shapes the, up for them. Because because if they're, if exactly they're COVID ridden and they're and they yeah. and they're going to be forced to play a game, Derek Carr is a huge option this week. I would agree so Kevin's that. got a lot of fluidity. Is fluidity a word? Sure. Okay. Perfect. Crushed it. In this situation, I I this week's matchup between these two guys, I I don't think it matters for Stefan, but it's going to be a who's in, who's out kind of style matchup. I don't even know what that means. The COVID pieces, the injury oh, pieces. Right. Who okay. takes people? Okay. Who, who's going to be in? Who's the healthiest? Week, if, yep. Who's the healthiest and not COVID ridden or injury ridden is really going to dictate. Adam has less less available options to pivot to than Kevin does. That's true. So I'll, I'll start to pick them. I think that favors me for Kevin here. Interesting. I think I just really like Adam's team. Um, Make it up a game. Respect. That's that's who I picked. Well, I Henderson's going to play. So you're going to, or not play. So you're going to not pick Jerry, Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, But no, I just, I think Adam's team, I think, you know, we didn't get the win last week, but I think he's been extremely productive. And I think Kevin's team just, just to be honest, there's too much disappointments here. Um, between Tannehill, you know, Elijah Mitchell is going to play. You know, Mike Williams hasn't been great. Travis Kelsey, I mean, last two weeks haven't been great. Um, A.J. Green, do you really feel confident starting him? You know, same with Van Jefferson, like in a playoff game. I mean, Jefferson I know Kevin, over Green, I, yes. Well, no, I'm just saying, though, you have, yep. you know, this is the playoffs and you're relying on A.J. Green and Van Jefferson. Um, oh no, that's, I mean you don't feel good about that, but yeah. no, you you don't that that and that's my issue. So I mean I I just when I look at Kevin's roster, those are the things that stick out. And I mean Adam's team isn't perfect by any means, but I just I think there's a much higher ceiling when I look at Adam's players compared to Kevin's, and I'm gonna roll with that. All right, so this is your chance to make up a game then. Yeah, um, you know, so you'll have to place your votes officially in uh, Zane's poll. Um, if you had to pick one team to win the championship, who are you picking? Give me my voice, Stefan. I, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll homer it. Yep, it's going to be that one where there's some upside for Zane's team. Kevin could be a dark horse in some of these pieces, but I think top to bottom, through and through, Stefan's got this year, maybe one more year, and then he's in a rebuild. But maximize when you can, make the most money while you can, pay for your seasons. Stefan this year, maybe one more, and then he's in a build. I agree with that. I'm going with Stefan as well. I think, you know, he's been the most impressive team all year. Um, and I mean, all, all he, things COVID, COVID contingent, it's going to be course. very interesting. It's going to be the most COVID positive test that we've had ever. Is that is that the right thing to say? Ever in the last two weeks? Uh, yeah, I believe the most, at least this year. I don't know about last year. So but it's, it's, been, in, but it's yeah. been insane, and this is where... Life could get very, very interesting for some of these teams, depending on health and wellness. Big and time. this is where depth is going to help you. Agreed. Hopefully it doesn't come to it, but it probably will, unfortunately. All right. Another week in the books. Good luck. Another to the... good week in the books, man. <laughs> good luck to all the playoff teams. You know, may the luck and fortune ever be in your favor, but... Hopefully COVID isn't a thing. God, fuck all this. Yep. All right. I got it. I got nothing else. Have a good one, guys.